It waxes and wanes. First it makes you itch, then it gives you pains. It ebbs and it flows. Where from, what, why, how, who the fuck even knows? Not I. Hi, it's Crystal Clear here, the host of More Morgulons. We are on a new season. Yes, great season eight. Today, right now, grand opening. Thank you so much for coming. To those of you who are saying, oh my God, she's still talking about this? Yeah. I am. In fact, a lot of people are. 1,777 to be exact. Yes, have taken a survey on a crowdsourcing research platform about medical diseases that include Morgulons. It's called StuffThatWorks.com. Ironically, since nothing fucking works. But it's providing some fascinating insights. I encourage all of you to put that... No, don't. Keep listening to the podcast. But as you're listening... Go sign up for stuffthatworks.com. And I don't usually shill for other enterprises like that, except for Anchor, my, my, my buds over at Anchor that allows me to cast my pod here. But yeah, this is, I know they're data mining. God only knows what they're doing with it. And they'll probably make $3 trillion off the pharmaceuticals they develop as a result of all this uh, crowdsourcing. But hey, we're getting something out of the deal. A platform to talk to each other, to share our stories, to talk about symptoms, to gather data. You can even post your own research questions. And I am posting left and right, you guys, because I am loving hearing your stories. And we're going to hear some of those stories on this episode and others this season. Thank you so much for joining me again or for the first time. All voices are welcome here at War Morgulons, even the ones in your head. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I periodically go on the web and type in Morgulons, no longer into Google, but into DuckDuckGoose. And I usually find the same stupid shit <laughs> that comes up over and over again. But somehow I stumbled upon stuffthatworks.com. And it's amazing. The CDC study had 70 people take a survey monkey, 40 people go to a clinic, and 12 people give biopsies. It took them four years to do it. For some reason, they partnered with a private corporation for the first and, as far as I know, last time ever in the history of the CDC to perform this study along with the Armed Forces Department of uh, Institute of Pathology, uh, which they had never collaborated before with on any study either, except for, of course, the study into the bioterror attacks involving anthrax in 2001. And that division, the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology, was shuttered in 2011 before the publication of the 2012 study results that the CDC did on Morgulons. My point being, not me, because I just started my boot camp to become a full stack developer today, and it's going to be um, hellacious to say the least, but I am flexing my mind muscle and I am manifesting the reality that shall soon be true, that I am a full stack developer. Um, but anyway, I'm going to be busy. So I need one of you enterprising, wonderful 
more geese out there to file a Freedom of Information Act request with the government to figure out if there's anything that they didn't tell us about that CDC study, you know? I don't think anyone's ever done it, and it needs to be done. Um, if nobody does it by season nine, I'll fucking do it. But I'm telling you guys, I am motivated right now to get back into the saddle with this new tool that we have at our fingertips and get some actual solid, real data to work with. It's not perfect. You know, we can't confirm remotely that everybody that's uh, all 1,777 people as of today that have answered these survey questions or posted questions or contributed in some way to the information we have about Morgulans. We don't know if they all actually have the same disease, but when every single fucking person is reporting fibers as a symptom, then we know it's Morgulans. What makes Morgulans Morgulans? The Morgulans, okay? And now we can say that with almost like certainty because People list their symptoms on this thing, and the top two symptoms are sores and fibers, worm-like fibers. So that's what I've been saying this whole time, and it seems like that would be supported as our diagnostic criteria going forward when we think about this disease. But let's change the blade on Occam's razor, get down to brass tacks, and figure out what the fuck's going on with this thing. Because you guys, tonight, I found the biggest, most disturbing Mortalon I've ever found in my entire Morgulon's life of two years and two or three months. <laughs> My roommate and I were about to go for a walk in the neighborhood to get some exercise. The only thing that perhaps works for our condition. Actually, I don't know if it works for Morgulon's, but it'll make you feel good, look good, and live longer. So why not get outside, take a walk? But yeah, before I could leave my house, I was getting my shoes on looking for socks. I look, something catches my eye, a glint, a glimmer, a shimmer. What is it? It's a fucking three foot long, red, metallic, kinky, uh, strange string hair worm, alien, nanobot. Yeah, biofilm my ass, I'm sorry. These things show up in my life from nowhere periodically and there's no explanation for it and it never happened before Morgulons and these objects are not normal. You can't focus your camera on them when you try to take a picture or film them. They are not reflecting light, they're emitting light. I'm telling you guys, this thing was like a mutant human hair except it was red metallic and moving and three feet long. So anyway, it's still a big mystery, to say the least. And even though we all want an evidence-based, real fucking answer, not a bunch of charlatans trying to charge us $900 and give us fake lab tests, we want to know what the fuck is really going on with us in the hopes that someday, somewhere, somebody will legitimize this shit and figure out what it is and how to get rid of it or how to make it better. Better yet, how to prevent people from ever getting it in the first place. And you know what you have to do to stop a disease, new emerging illness, and it's tracks, dead, stop. You know how you do it? Do you do more testing, contact tracing, and vaccines? Uh, you would think so, yes, that normally would work. It has not in the past couple of years. More people died in 2021 than died in 2020. So, post-vaccine. Um, we're not going to get into a discussion of vaccines here. That's for another day. Although the excess death data coming out every week is disturbing, indicates something very funny and fishy is going on. But we all want a real answer. We all want real science. 
if I hear one more person say something like, I have to alkalize my body, y'all, that's not a thing, okay? Our bodies are created to keep us at a pH of three, or I'm sorry, 7.35 to 7.45. That's what the kidneys do. And if you go outside of that range, that very narrow tight range, that's your blood we're talking about the pH of. Your urine pH is a different thing. But yeah, like if your pH in your body was alkalinized, quote unquote, well, that would technically mean that you either had a respiratory or a metabolic problem that was sending you into alkalosis, which is a medical condition, a disease that needs treatment. It will make you feel sick. Nobody wants to alkalinize their body, trust me, okay? You don't wanna make it more acidic or uh, basic because you can't do that, you guys. It doesn't matter what you eat or your drink. That's the whole point of the kidneys. Um, I mean, there, it does other things, but yeah, just lots of pseudoscience, lots of fake medicine, lots of misinformation. I'm not saying that <laughs> I'm some kind of arbiter of truth. The truth is there isn't any, but I do know that ration, reason, empiricism, good common sense, and data are what we need. <laughs> and research may or may not be useful. Let me just share with you this article. Um, it's a little dated, but it's still really relevant. It might be even more relevant now. Why researchers sometimes publish their papers in fake scientific journals by Kelly Castles. This is on Mike.com. It was published um, December 11th, 2017. It's easy to believe something when a scientific study suggests it's true, but what we often don't know is where that study came from, and that's a problem, experts say. Predatory journals, quote-unquote, are fake academic journals on the internet, and they're a serious issue for both scientists and everyday people. These journals publish shoddy research online, often without any peer review. In some cases, they also publish legitimate research from scientists who were duped into thinking they're the real deal. But unlike real journals, predatory ones don't vet, review, and give edits to work before it's published. Quote, I would not trust a predatory journal. We want to know that researchers are published in a journal of high quality. Jason Schmidt, an associate professor of communication and media at Clarkston University, said by phone, in a world of fake news, this problem deserves to have some light shed on it. Ain't that the truth? Tricks and treats. Uh, about 420,000 research papers were published across roughly 8,000 predatory journals in 2014. That's up from roughly 53,000 papers published in 2010, according to a study in BMC Medical. Can you imagine what those numbers are in 2022? Schmidt says the problem got really worse in the internet age, starting around 1999 to 2001, and that's a symptom of the highly competitive world of academia. Typically, researchers have to compete for coveted slots in well-known journals, while associate professors who want tenure need to publish a lot and fast. Quote, in my view, it's the tenure process that's pushing academics and scientists towards predatory publishing, Schmidt said. They're hoping they can pass their papers on to their tenure committee, and they will trade that $3,000 or $5,000 fee paid to the predatory journal for publishing to a $150,000 tenure job for life. Professors gunning for tenure need a large body of published work, and landing that work in prestigious journals certainly increased their chances. Schmidt said that such high-impact journals turn away an extremely large amount of really good research, and that's often after researchers wait six to eight months just to hear back from them. Considering that research has a shelf life and tenure has deadlines, predatory journals are, as the New York Times put it, quote, a classic case of supply meeting demand. But even though publishing with one can certainly be intentional, some scientists are simply lured into the trap. Predatory journals often assume similar names to famous outlets, for example, which the academic community calls hijacking. For instance, the Open Access Emergency Medicine, a legitimate journal from Dove Press. All right, let's stop right there. Dove Medical Press. Dove Medical Press. Is it legitimate? 
that's the journal that publishes all of the Charles E. Holman research about Borgelands. Um, <clears throat> keep in mind the dates that it publishes, okay? Dove Medical Press is an academic publisher of open access, peer-reviewed scientific and medical journals with offices in London, New Jersey, and Auckland. In, to, in September 2017, Dove Medical Press was acquired by the Taylor and Francis Group. I think it has since been in, acquired by another investor group called Informa. Um, out of London, makes about 400 million profit each year on its investments. But listen to this, this is the most important part. As an open access publisher, Dove charges a publication fee to authors or their institutions or funders. All right, that's your first red flag, people. Um, if you were alive back in the 80s, and if Morgulons has not completely destroyed your memory, you may remember Barbizon. Call Barbizon. It was a commercial that was on constantly in the 80s. Barbizon was a modeling agency that basically, um, if you just pay them enough money, they could make you a famous model. Listen, if you have to pay somebody to take your picture, you ugly. And if you have to pay somebody to publish your research, I'm gonna guess you're not the Heidi Klum of the academic world. Avita Singh, indeed. Not saying that it's completely not credible, anything they publish, they have a lot of journals, but it's just, keep it in mind, put that in your hat, think about it, see if it makes sense to you or if it doesn't make sense. Dove is a member of the Association of Learned and Professional Society Publishers and the Committee on Publication Ethics and the Open Archives Initiative. Um, as of March 2019, it published a total of 135 journals, other 43 have now ceased to exist. In 2012, the company was included on Beale's list of open access publishers, but was later removed. Beale's list, for y'all's information, is a prominent list of predatory open access publishers that was maintained by University of Colorado librarian Jeffrey Beale on his blog, Scholarly Open Access. The list aimed to document open access publishers who did not perform real peer review, effectively publishing any article as long as the authors pay the open access fee. Originally started as a personal endeavor in 2008, Beale's list became a widely followed piece of work by the mid-2010s. Its influence led some publishers on the list to threaten defamation lawsuits against Beale. So there's probably the reason why it was taken off the list. <laughs> so you guys, I'm just saying, um, if you are convinced by the research results done by the Charles E. Holman Foundation, they do seem compelling at first, and they may be legitimate. If someone else that doesn't have a conflict of interest and a stake in making a ton of money on desperate people with nowhere to turn by integrating them into their clientele of their existing chronic Lyme clinic to the tune of $500 and $900 a pop per visit. Um, <clears throat> if those results can be replicated by another entity that does not have a history of academic dishonesty, censure by the NIH for that dishonesty, I'm talking about you, Dr. Raphael B. Schricker. Um, someone whose license isn't under investigation, Dr. NP, nurse practitioner, Ginger Savely, um, listen, I'm not trying to like tear these people down because I have a personal vendetta against them. I only care about what makes sense and getting down to the bottom of this thing. I know we all want to be legitimized and credible as soon as fucking possible. And I get why people are ready to jump on the Lyme disease bandwagon. But the truth is there's just not a lot of good replicated evidence from more than one group of researchers in one open access 
probably predatory medical journal publishing fake science by fake scientists. Talking about a pharmacology professor, a veterinarian, family internist, and a family nurse practitioner. That's kind of the whole team. That's the majority of the research out there is done by these folks. You know who I'm talking about. Gilligan's Island, Marianne, Ginger, y'all know the deal. Stricker's the skipper. Professor Randy Wymore is Gillian. I've talked a lot about this in the past and I still have a lot more to say about it, but I'll end it right there because we're running out of time for now. But when I come back, and I will be back as soon as possible, when I come back, we are going to discuss the fascinating new information being crowdsourced by us, the Morgies, direct from the source. You guys, it's awesome. Get off this podcast as soon as I say goodbye and go sign up for stuff that works, even though we know that nothing fucking works. Actually, I really hope something is working for you. I dearly, sincerely do. Thoughts and prayers, meditations, and voodoo incantations for all of you to heal, to hang in there, and to feel much better soon. I think you will. I'm starting to feel a little better. I have two new lesions in two new regions, but y'all know it comes, it goes, it ebbs, it flows. From where, what the fuck, why, and how, nobody knows, okay? But we might know soon go to stuff that works okay and stay tuned